Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. Today's topic for discussion is risk planning. G'day, Tim. How are you going? Very good morning to you, Ken. I'm well, thank you. Now, before we talk about uh, risk planning, just remind our listeners, tell us what the Stewart Group is all about. Stewart Group is all about putting a financial plan in place and helping people along life's highway when it comes to making sure that they've got the right outcomes, whether that be risk planning, as we're going to talk about, or investment planning as well. So hopefully when they get to retirement, they've got a nice little nest egg build up and they can live the life that they want to live. Fingers crossed on that one. What is risk planning? Risk planning is simply about making sure there's a plan in the place so that the right money goes to the right people at the right time. Now, when should we put that plan in place, Tim? Because I know that when I first started work at the uh, the tender age of 16, many, many, many summers ago, the last thing I was thinking about was the future. That's a great question, Ken. Often it's when you start to get along the development of property purchase, relationships, children, those sorts of things. That's when often people think, you know, I need to make sure that there's something in place that if I'm not around, the people that are important to me are taken care of. Now, as you quite rightly point out, when I started work at 16, same age as you, my risk planning, my need wasn't there Mm -hmm. because I had no dependents if I checked out early. My parents would take care of any funeral, etc., that I had. However, once you get a little bit older, maybe towards that early 20s, that's when you need to look at ensuring the most important thing that you have, and that is your ability to earn. So if you were get sick or if you had an accident and you had rent, you had a mortgage, you had expenses, car payments, etc., that kind of thing, how would you keep those payments up? Now, as I touched on before, your biggest asset is your ability to earn. So that's where income protection or mortgage repayment insurance can come in to help cover that if you're unable to walk, walk into the office or walk onto the building site. Yeah. Okay, so I come to see you and I say, all right, Tim, I want to talk about risk planning. What are some of the things that we're going to discuss? You've mentioned uh, income protection. What else is on the list? Well, on the list, basically, in my view, the components of a robust risk plan Say for an individual initially, maybe around life insurance. So mm-hmm. if they pass away uh, ahead of their time, unfortunately, it means that any debt possibly that they may have is repaid. But I just want to go off on a side road there and just say it doesn't necessarily hold sway that if you have X dollars of debt, you have to have X dollars of life insurance because it's relative to where you are in life. For example, I have a good friend of mine who has no significant other. He has a mortgage. However, he doesn't need life insurance to cover all of his mortgage mm-hmm. because he will have sufficient just to cover, say, six to 12 months mortgage repayments so that his estate can sell his property and then his estate is distributed to his three nephews. As opposed to, for example, husband and wife, they may have a $400,000 mortgage, the husband's the made breadwinner, so that if he was to predecease his significant other, the debt is cleared and money then is put on the table, for example, to cover education costs or 
to replace his income for a period of time. Okay, let's uh, stay on the top of, of income. Uh, how do we go about insuring uh, income? What we do is we have a look at what you're actually earning, how you're earning it, and then we come up with the best protection for you as an individual. For example, wage and salary earners, it's quite easy to prove your income. For example, if I couldn't walk through the door at Stewart Group, therefore I'm not getting paid, therefore the insurance company can see that, right, we want to be able to pay the claim that Mr Ewan is asking for because Mm -hmm. he is sick. However, if you're self-employed, it can be a little bit grey because you have to prove your income and it's loss at claim time often when you are self-employed. So there are two types of income protection insurance. There is an indemnity cover, which is probably more aligned to wage and salary earners and so forth. You can insure up to 75% of your gross income. Mm -hmm. The benefit you receive is taxable assessable and the premiums are tax deductible. The other option is an agreed value and you can insure up to 62.5% of your proven income. You don't have to prove your income at claim time or its loss, but the benefit you received is not taxable assessable, and the premiums are not tax deductible, just based on current understanding of how the tax law applies. So it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all. It's up to the advisor to understand your individual situation and make the recommendation accordingly. I wonder, Tim, on a scale of 1 to 10... How would you rate one being the minimum, 10 being the absolute most important? How would you rate income protection? Because in my 69 years uh, of living and uh, my, well, I've been working since I've been 16, I've had five days off sick. So Five days off sick? Yeah. So Can my, I have what you're having? <laughs> <laughs> so from my point of view, uh, income protection, and I've always felt that I've always been healthy. Sure. So the last thing I would ever thought about was income protection. So why would someone who's generally healthy think about it? Because you don't know when you're going to need it. That's the unknown factor. If we can get to the end of our life and at the age of 99 look back and say, we never needed income protection insurance because we're healthy, we had no accidents, then absolutely fine, I'm in your camp. However, I know lots of people that for a variety of reasons have had speed bumps as they've travelled down life's journey, Mm -hmm. whether that be accident, whether that be illness. And I don't know about you, Ken, but this modern world, it seems to be that there's a prevalence of different illnesses and ailments that rear its head. We've had COVID, you know, we've had Cyclone Gabriel, all these sorts of things come into play and they can affect somebody's ability to earn their income. So at what point do you think uh, we should be looking at income protection as soon as we start work? That could be something definitely to consider. It doesn't necessarily also hold sway that you have to ensure the maximum you can. I touched on that figure of 75%. We may sit down with a client and say, well, actually, you're just starting in work. Your affordability levels are at this level. Mm-hmm. However, we think that perhaps maybe you might get away with 2500 rather than the maximum of four, just pulling a number out of the year, so to speak. So that way it covers your rent, it covers any other outgoings, plus it just puts a bit of food on the table for you. Obviously, if there are dependents, if there are significant others, that's where the need is greater. What about life insurance, Tim? Um, at what point should we be considering having life insurance? Again, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but if there are, back to that cliche again, dependents relying on you, then I believe that that is a trigger to have a look at life insurance so that if you're not here, how people are relying on you to provide an income, that's one part of it. But also, if you are, for example, in a family business like a farm, it may be that you get life insurance at an early age, so that means that if you were to pass away prematurely, then perhaps siblings can be paid out of your life insurance, which means that the farm possibly then doesn't have the debt level it would have had if there was no life insurance on you. Yeah. 
Now, before we came to where we were having a bit of a brief chat uh, about, you know, times get pretty tough for everyone at the moment. Uh, just about everyone know, I know is struggling. And we're looking at our expenditure. We're saying, okay, well, what can we afford to cut out? I can afford to cut out Sky. I can afford to cut out Neon. Now, what about this big insurance uh, payment that I pay every month? I've got my mortgage insurance. I've got my uh, income insurance. I've got my health insurance. Mm, do I really need them? So how important is it for me to consider you know, either cutting those loose or hanging on to them? That's a really good question, Ken, and it's up to the advisor to understand what your financial position is. For example, if we sit down with a client and they say to us, look, our income has gone from X to Y, then we have to look at what is the most important thing for them to protect. And each individual has a different set of values from one to the other. So, for example, someone might turn around and say, well, you know what, I'm quite happy to rely on the public system now. I do wish to cancel my health insurance Big decision to make, yeah. but we might turn around and them and say, "Well, actually, you're paying the first five hundred dollars in an excess on your health insurance. What about if we put that up to a thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand? Mm-hmm. That way, it could potentially reduce your premium and save you some money." For example, myself, I've got a bad knee, probably need a knee replacement because of a sporting injury. I'm quite quite happy to pay, you know, 10 years down the track, the first four or $5,000 of a $30,000 operation if that's what the cost will be down then when they have a titanium knee and make me a bionic man. Yeah, okay. Is there a a rule of thumb percentage that you might suggest to someone that they put aside for uh, risk planning? As a general comment, you might be looking at around three to six percent of an individual's gross income. If I sat down with a client and saw that they were paying perhaps ten to twelve percent of their gross income on their risk planning, I wouldn't challenge them, but I'd actually want to understand the rationale behind it because some people it is very important for them. They won't have sky, they won't drink, they won't gamble, they won't smoke, so therefore they're happy to have a lot of their disposable income going on their risk plan because it is important to them. Whereas somebody else might turn around and say, well, look, I just want the bare necessities covered. And that might be enough to cover the debt, a few dollars left over to put them in the ground, and maybe just a little bit of income protection insurance or mortgage repayment cover. Yeah. How often should we uh, review it, Tim? Because I know that many moons ago I, I took out a life insurance policy, dropped it in the bottom drawer, and I haven't never looked at it since. And I, I'm sure that when I took it out, it was worth a hell of a lot more than what it's going to be worth now. How, how often should we look at it? Once a year. Yeah. Should be a touch base at least once a year. Understand if there's any changes to the person's financial position, any triggers such as extra children, change of job, mortgage, that may warrant you know an adjustment with the levels of cover that they have. And equally, it may be that, oh, hang on a minute, you know we've received an inheritance, we had half a million dollars worth of life cover, but now we've got half a million dollars with the Stuart Group invested, so therefore we don't need that life cover quite to the same level. Yeah. Now, we talked about uh, insuring our income, and it makes sense, perfect sense, but why would we when we've got ACC? Great question. Again, Ken, you don't know how you are going to be unable to go to work. Is it by accident or is it by sickness or illness? ACC will not provide you any income if you can't go to work as a result of sickness or illness. That's the key difference there. You might turn around and say, are we getting a double up then? Valid point, but again, we don't know why we're not able to go to work because we don't have that crystal ball. And in some instances, if you're self-employed, you could have an opportunity to trim back your level of ACC cover, which reduces your levies, which means then you can use some of that saved money to put towards your income protection or mortgage repayment cover, which will cover you for both, both accident and illness. Does your, if uh, if we go along the the track that I've got uh, income protection, and I have an accident and I can't go to work, uh, 
Do you get to double dip or does ACC say, no, you've got insurance? It's more likely that the insurance company will say you can't double dip. Yep. But what the insurance company will do, for example, we'll just use some rough figures. Say ACC was going to pay you $40,000 mm-hmm. and your insurance company was going to pay you sixty. As a rough rule of thumb, the insurance company would top you up the twenty. Right, fair enough too. Yeah. But then having said that, some of the insurance companies also provide lump sums if you do, for example, break an arm, break a leg, straight away, no wait period, on top of what you would get from ACC. Is there a one size fits all approach to risk planning and if not, why not? You're full of great questions this morning, Ken, and I do thank you for that in all sincerity. No, there's not. We have to understand what your risk levels are, what you value, what's important, and what's your financial position in your planning going forward. Because then we can become, uh, we can create a, a bespoke, tailor-made insurance plan individual to you. There are some components that cross over between individuals, but it's all about you, the client, and what you value and what's the most important to you right now. Yeah, very good. Well, it's been rather fascinating talking to you about that today. Tim, if we want any sound financial advice, particularly uh, on today's topic, which is risk planning, where do we get it? Jump onto the website, stuartgroup.co.nz. All the information about all our advisors are there, plus my contact details. Tim at stuartgroup.co.nz or give me a ring, landline 06 or my cell 027 666 338.